Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we get started, are you thinking of creating a podcast or are you a podcast host already? As a podcast strategist, I can help you to launch or relaunch a purposeful and profitable podcast, which will inspire, entertain and educate a global audience. Simply book in a one-to-one call with me right now via the Calendly link in the show notes and together we'll focus on the purpose of your podcast. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Danny Matthews. Hi, Danny. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm excited about this. Well, we have a thank you, don't we? We have a thank you to Marcus Dimbleby. In fact, you're the second guest that Marcus has asked onto the show or or invited onto the show, recommended to me. And I'm really looking forward to exploring your why today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's a pleasure. So first question, what is it you're doing at the moment, Danny? Oh, what am I doing at the moment? Wow. Uh, I have two main focuses at the minute. One of them is uh, on the business and one of them is on, I guess, my why or my purpose. Uh, The one about the business is I'm really trying to, whenever someone asks, uh, you know, what's the goal here? You know, what's the goal with the business? The only thing I can ever think of is I just want to make sure that I can do this again tomorrow. So, um, So I've been working really hard over the last year to try and put things in the business like automation and take away some admin tasks and really make it lean. And um, I'm really fortunate now that that I'm at the stage where I can focus on things like doing podcast interviews and uh, speaking engagements and, you know, really, really focusing on key clients and that kind of thing, because a lot of the monotonous day-to-day admin that I don't want to do is taken care of. So a lot of my role in the business is um, half public facing stuff and half design, which is all I want to do. <laughs> so I just need to make sure I can keep doing this every day. Um, the other thing that I'm working on is, um, uh, which I'm sure we'll find out during this episode, but um, I'm helping young people in colleges and universities, not just with business aspects, but to bridge that gap between employment uh, and education, as, uh, especially in this area where I am. It's, um, it's really bizarre. We've got really affluent areas and then the complete opposite in the same area. But a lot of it is hidden, um, so you don't really get to see it. So, uh, yeah, I go into local universities and colleges and give talks, and I'm part of um, venture builder programs and things where I offer free guest lectures, I guess you could call them, where I talk about branding and design and how it, how it affects the... Uh, how it can be used in not only business and to start a business, but also to create change and, and uh, save the world, let's say. <laughs> so that's uh, they're the things I'm working on right now. So saving the world, I sound like a superhero there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's, uh, I don't know. It's, we obviously, we've been, we've been fed this idea of what a superhero looks like. And I think a lot of us have the power to do quite a lot with very little effort. And it's all, it's all that mindset of like one more, just one more person, one more thing, one more uh, idea. You know, we don't need to do big elaborate things to, ch- to make big change and to, 
to put our ideas into the world, just one at a time, little by little, inch by inch, millimeter by millimeter. So yeah, I try to keep that kind of philosophy or that that mentality. That's a great philosophy to have. So what's the just one more that you will be doing next? It will be the young people. It'll be one more, one more young person, one more, um, one more business owner, one more idea. Uh, I love, uh, that's kind of why I love working with a lot of startups because they're such seedling ideas that you can almost pull and shape and mold and question and challenge. And, and they become something that probably the founder didn't know it was going to look like that in the beginning. Um, and that's, what, that's what's so great about working with uh, young people as well as startups. They're in the same kind of stage very, very early on. <laughs> So you started by saying that you've got two main focuses and one is the business and mm. one is the why and the purpose. Are they not entwined? Yeah, they are. They are. Um, so uh, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a designer, a graphic designer. I wanted to, you know, draw cartoons all day and make funny voices and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, real childlike <laughs> behavior. But Unfortunately, for uh, want of a better phrase, uh, I went to an all-boys school, uh, public school, which ended up being a sports college. And what happens in sports colleges is you're either a rugby player or a football player. <laughs> uh, there's, there's no real career path for like an artist or a creative or a designer. So it was never really encouraged or supported, uh, even though I loved it. You know, if you, you can imagine my... My mum ended up taking the carpet up in my bedroom because it, uh, because it was too hard to clean it from all the lead and the paint and the stuff and the charcoal, you know. So she just said, I'm pulling it up, you can have floorboards. Yeah, and just stacks of books in the corner from sketching. I remembered over the weekend that a song came on. There was some, like, really old, old 90s hip-hop on the radio and uh, there was an old Jay-Z track. And um, I said to my wife, oh, do you know, I've just remembered I did a big sketch of Jay-Z's face when I was younger. And I've just and it's the first time I remembered it in a while. So that's, you know, that was a childhood thing. And, and because there was no encouragement, I just stole on and got a job like most people do. <laughs> and uh, that led me down the path of, you know, getting into commerce and uh, an industry, if you like. Uh, and then I had to fight to get back out but it was the best thing that I ever did. The fight to get in or the fight to get out? The fight to get back out. <laughs> <laughs> getting in was easy. Getting into, you know, getting a job and getting into an industry and, you know, getting promoted and getting money and picking up contracts and that kind of thing. That was an easy bit. Um, fighting to be able to be a creative in a world that doesn't value creative, um, which is an, an interesting topic on its own. It's, it's really tough. It's really tough. So clearly you were exploring all these different opportunities to be creative as a young child, but at yeah. home, not at school. And yeah. it wasn't discouraged at home. It was encouraged because obviously the carpet came up and it's like, <laughs> knock yourself out, make a mess. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You just said that the world doesn't encourage or value creative work. Is that the case? To, to some extent, yeah. It's, it is changing and slowly uh, but quite impactful uh, or an impact, in an impactful way. You know, we're seeing designers on boards now, you know, because people are starting to realise that there's nothing without creativity or without creating or without the visual aspect of, of marketing or design or brand or whatever it might be. 
Um, but it hasn't always been that way. Design, especially graphic design, has always been seen as a bit of a commodity. Like we're the business heads and we tell you what to do and you just go and create something. There's this, a, a great um, meme out there in the design world and it just says, I'm, I'm a designer, not an effing screwdriver. We're not just here to carry out your tasks, you know. We're, we're, we've got something really valuable to add. So, yeah, it, it's it's not completely the case. It is changing, but it has been viewed as quite a commodity over the years, which has been very hard for designers to, um, you know, put their foot down and step forward and say, actually, I have something else to add. And I very often find myself telling people that design might be my skill, but it's not where the value lies. And it's not until you really get to know what our thought process is and how some of us go about things from our experience that we can really add value to a business. So where does your value lie if it's not in your skill? It is in the experiences and uh, depending on who you are, uh, your experience of your life and in work and and whatever that might be. So it's, um, you know, I don't, uh, a lot of designers come straight from education and they go through college or university and then they leave a little bit a little bit lost and in the dark as to what to do next. Should I join an agency? Should I join a company? You know, if you join a company, then it's really hard to, you know, you're basically stuck with one brand and you do the same thing over and over. If you go to an agency, it's a little bit cutthroat and there's other people involved and, you know, you get to work with big clients, but probably only a very small portion of the work. Um, Or do I go freelance? You know, there's so many questions for them. Whereas me, I always wanted to do it, but I spent 10 years growing and running a financial service business, which meant I had to communicate with clients, I had to communicate with suppliers, with uh, regulators, that, you know, there's a lot involved in running a financial services business. And I think when I finally ended up uh, in the design business, I realized that design isn't just how something, you know, that old Steve Jobs quote, it's not how something looks, it's how something works. And I started to figure out what the problems were of businesses and how they could be solved and realized that a lot of the solutions came back to branding or how I see branding anyway and design so that was that was it that was the journey and that's kind of what led me here I guess and if you had your time again would you change any of the paths that you took (sighs) a really tough question when uh, and this is actually, it's very tough for me to talk to young people about this, especially. For me to, uh, the transition I made from industry or, business, or my financial services business to design took a lot of heartache, a lot of work, and ended up, I had an episode of, of burnout, which basically I lost the feeling from the waist down in central London, and literally strangers were dragging me off the floor. I, I had just did, that was it. I, I was done. My body was saying, you can't go any further. It's, um, this is dangerous. So it's really hard for me to have a conversation with young people to say if I would change it or not. Because even though I hope that no one has to go through what I went through, it, it was the catalyst for me becoming really happy and really doing what I love and, and being in the position I am now. So it's a hard question for me to to answer because that is a real conflict. You know, I had to do it for me in order to get to that stage. But, you know, can can you get there without that 
pain and that suffering? Um, I don't know. I, I hope you can. And, and that's why I talk a lot with young people in universities and colleges, because I, I want to try and figure that out for them uh, or with them, if you like. Um, so, yeah, tough question. Hopefully that answered it. OK. <laughs> Do you think it means more for you to now be pursuing this work than if you had... I guess go gone straight into it the first time. You, know, you wouldn't have known how much pain there'd been for sure. But what I'm what I'm trying to work out is when you're talking to the young children or young young people rather about this about this experience that there is no there's a contrast for you. There is it's like a, a black and white night and day scenario. And a lot of people who come on the show talk about their darkest moments being the catalyst for their purpose. And as you say, you know, you'd hope that you'd be able to reach that without seeing it. But does I guess it makes it sweeter. It, it does. And it does add an extra layer of, um, uh, uh, of I guess, respect in some sense. Uh, do you know, I wish, you know, someone, I, I worked with a, a homeopathist. I'm so glad I got that out of my mouth correct then and when I was talking to them about how it works one of the one of the ways that they described it to me is that your body when when you're ill and your body has infection or virus or whatever it is your body has to come to a natural high temperature in order to kill the virus or the bugs that are in you and homeopathy is designed to, to safely bring you to that temperature to kill the virus without killing you, basically, in a roundabout way. Um, and I almost, uh, I, I like that as an analogy with what I hope can happen with young people or other people that are trying to find their purpose or find their why. You know, I hope that I can be, you know, by, and all of us can be, by telling our stories and sharing our experiences. I hope that young people can get to the point where they feel just enough pain to respect and be grateful for what they have in front of them without causing damage for the long term. Uh, I hope that's what I can do um, and that we can all do for the young people of today. And I think that's probably a good analogy for it. And how do you articulate your purpose, Danny? How do you describe it? I describe it simply as bridging the gap between education and employment and giving support and encouragement to the people that I never had to the young people of today so we can have a better tomorrow. I simply put it as advancing humanity through creativity. Uh, and that's really important for me. It took me a long time to get to that language or that phrasing. And it's very broad, but it's very broad for a reason. I think um, everything that we smell, touch, taste, uh, feel, it, it, it all happens outside of the natural world. It all happens because people sat around a table in a room and discussed the possibilities and found a way to solve a problem. And that to me is creativity alive. That's how it works. It has to have you know, people challenging, people testing, people looking at different ways to solve problems. And everything in the world is created that way. So I think if I can influence someone to uh, 
um, to use that, to use their creativity, to come up with an idea and then put it into action to solve a, a, a simple or really big problem. Um, we get one step closer to, to making the world a better place when we're gone, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's where it comes from. And that living legacy looks like what? <laughs> this might be a long one. <laughs> there, there's lots of things that I, I would like to do in this world. And it's funny, it's it's almost, I, I liken it to getting a tattoo. When you get one and you see it on your skin and it's there forever, um, you kind of want another one. And um, and I'm very, I'm so grateful that this is my business because I get to make the decision to go and do something. You know, if someone has an idea that will, I don't know, solve climate change in their own little way, or whether it's just to make their family happier or to make another family happy on the other side of the world once i'm finished with one i can't help but want to go and find another one <laughs> and you know have that other little that other little go at solving the problem at, at saving the world let's say so i'm really grateful that that's my business and that's how it shows up in the long term just one after the other one after the other and one bit at a time uh, I, there was a stage where i thought I need to go and save all the big problems. I need to change, you know, politics and religion and, you know, these things. But I realised actually for Jane down the road who wants to change her family's life because her child was born with a specific illness and she wants to affect that on other people or change the way that they live through motability, accessibility, those things, um, to help her create the right message to get through to the right people so she can change something is um is amazing that's just as good as you know taking plastic out of the oceans or you know solving climate change so yeah i realized at one stage that one one step at a time one person at a time it can be done and i was i probably had big big ideas that needed little change <laughs> little changes along the way yeah that's how it shows up amazing and what I'm hearing here is you're saying about the problem solving and that is creative. And a lot of people sort of park it as being a, a more different type of skill, but actually opening up creativity in so many different ways. You know, you're not just talking about being an artist here. You're just talking about unlocking elements of, of your working, your brain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not, it's not really, when I say creative, I think people automatically think design or something visual but creative is the the brain power behind everything that happens. It's not it's not about the output. It's about the input and expanding the middle, if you like. So when we think about a problem, creativity has to happen before it's solved. It's our way of thinking. It's our way of challenging to come up with the solution. The solution doesn't have to be visual. The output doesn't have to be visual. But boy, does it help. <laughs> And what I also love, I love your, your strap line. And yes, it is broad, but it, it is powerful. The advancing humanity through creativity. When you say advancing, advancing to what? what is there, is there a, an ideal that you have an image of? It's, it's the old kind of adage. I've heard it before that people say just to leave the earth a better place and you found it. And I think that's probably, it used to be quite like nice. <laughs> it used to be quite a nice thing to say. But now, now we're in this climate emergency. Now we're seeing wars and pandemics and things all happening at the same time. Um, I can't help but think 
that that is much, much more prevalent now than it ever has been. You know, so advancing is purely a generational thing. I can leave this world a better place than I found it. My child can, their children can. So hopefully it's something that I can leave to the world that they can get inspired from and go and advance humanity through their own creativity in their own way. So I'm hoping that it's not just my thing, my purpose or, or my phrasing, but it's something that someone else can say, actually, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I want to do as well. Because that's, I think, um, we all kind of do it, don't we? When we see someone that we look up to and they've said something or they've had a quote or something that, you know, we carry it around with us. I, I always, um, I've already said Steve Jobs once on this uh, podcast episode. I'm going to say his name again. But he said something once, which was the ones who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. And I think about that all the time because I think you do, there is an element of crazy that <laughs> you need to do big things. Yeah, but it's the brave and the crazy ones and those things, those people that um, that take these things and move them forward to a next generation. So I think that's important. And was it always on your mind that you were looking for your purpose or was it something that has evolved as you've got clarity in your work? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think I think the latter. I think um, I never used to think about it, really. It was only, I, I don't think we are interested in discovering our purpose unless it's triggered usually by an event. Uh, that doesn't have to be our own personal event like mine. It can be, you know, seeing a lot of uh, war around us, for example. I imagine that a lot of people in Ukraine at the minute are trying to find their well they're currently trying to find their way out of this situation but uh, the people around them so the neighboring countries maybe I, I have the sneaky suspicion that they're all currently trying to find meaning in what they're doing here on this earth because while there's so much horrid um, war and destruction we look for that north star and that shining light and I think that's what happened to me I got to the point where I just thought what's the point anymore and needed to find what that was. And I discovered it in my childhood passions and my childhood interests that I had I had kind of latched onto actually throughout the years between school and when I started the design studio, it wasn't nothingness, you know, it was, it was me trying to reach out and grab things even down to, uh, I went to start an eco-friendly print and design business through the Prince's Trust when I was about 17 or 18. And then I and then I started a tattoo shop and I was a tattoo artist for a number of years, uh, which was kind of a nice burst of creativity. And then even in jobs, like admi simple administration jobs, I'd always the person to say, that letterhead doesn't quite look right. Do you mind if I redo it or you know change it or redo the logo? And I was always the one to put my hand up for that stuff. So it wasn't like it was completely alien. I knew it was there and I was always trying to reach out and grab it from somewhere. But it was only when, when the bad stuff happened that I really thought this is it now. It was a nothing to lose moment, really. There was a lot going on at the time. And, uh, and it was my wife, actually, that was the first person to give me a little bit of encouragement to say, you might as well do it. There's nothing to lose. Go for it. You know? And that's, um, that was kind of the trigger. So nothing to lose. But the flip side was everything to gain. <laughs> Yeah, I felt like <laughs> yeah. uh, everything to gain. Um, 
to give you some context, we were we were between moving. So we moved from Birmingham down to the Cotswolds 12 years ago for my work at the time in, in insurance and financial services. Uh, and then when my father-in-law got diagnosed with cancer, we went and lived with him for about six months. And when he started to recover, we moved back down. At the same time, we were trying to have our first child um, through uh, IVF treatment, and we had failed our second go, and that was quite an emotional time. Um, so that, as well as me traveling to London, you know, the majority of the week, 4 a.m. till midnight, usually, um, we're just burning the midnight oil and uh, uh, and just working too much without any without any purpose apart from this is going to pay me a ton of money and going to give me a nice house in London and you know all that kind of stuff. So it was it was that really it was the one thing after another, a layer on top of layer uh that really killed it so what about the fulfillment piece how does that fit in right now i'm i'm very fulfilled in my career um there's a funny thing that happens when you find your purpose all of the all of the focus becomes on everyone else it's almost like the uh, the old airplane mask analogy you know put your mask on first and then you can help everyone else um when you find your purpose your mask is on there's no, there's nothing, there's no, I've got nothing else to go get. There's no, there's no like end goal. There's no target revenue. There's no, no, there's no, there's no, no, none of that. So the focus becomes on, you know, how you can make change or, or how you can influence other people or how you can live that purpose every day, if you like. And it's funny, fulfillment, I think people get happiness confused with fulfillment. Because I can be happy drinking coffee, right? I can be happy drinking coffee. When that coffee's gone, am, am I now unhappy? Maybe, maybe not. But in order for me to carry on being happy, I have to keep going to make a coffee. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So we say, I'm happy. Like it's a destination, like we're trying to find it. And when we find it, we'll be, we'll be happy forever. And that's not true. Happiness is a state that we flow in and out of. And we just have to make sure that we do things that keep us in that state or as much as possible. You know, that's not gonna happen all the time because things happen in our lives and, you know, it's not all straightforward. But the things that we can do to make ourselves happy are controllable. Fulfillment, on the other hand, fulfillment is, is a constant, which means when you find fulfillment, it is something that is always there it's always underlying, it's always a constant, and it's very, very difficult to dip out of a fulfilled state um, because of that reason. So um, fulfillment for me is in my career. I'm finally doing what I really love doing. And as I said at the start, and I've slowly found a way to get rid of the stuff I don't want to do, <laughs> which, is, which feels good. So uh, fulfilled, uh, I am fulfilled. And uh, I'm my cup is full, my mask is on, uh, and my mission is to now help other people do the same through causes they care about or missions they want to follow. And I'll keep drinking coffee along the way to keep me happy. <laughs> and when you're speaking to young people, do they understand that? Does is this is this a concept that can be understood? 
I th- to an extent, I think it's a, but I do think it's still a high level concept unless they've experienced something. So um, I, I try to tell them stories of my childhood and about um, that things weren't okay and things weren't easy. And there's always things that happen because I think it's the only way to connect to them on their level, uh, you know, their age, their situation. So when I tell people that I grew up in an abusive household um, with a, a guy, and I was never abused, but I grew up in a household with a guy that was abusive um, and, uh, and ended up almost homeless if my uh, friend's parents didn't take me in at 13, 14. Um, some people in the room of these young people might be going through that. So I hope that by connecting with them in that way, they can see, hang on a minute, you're sitting in front of me, happy, fulfilled, doing these things, and you came from that. So it is a, it's a realist, I make it a realistic concept for them. But I think without that connection, it's really hard for them to grasp what that feels like or, or how that affects your life in a you know, long-term way, in a 30, 40, 50, 60 year kind of way. So it is a difficult message to get across, but I, I hope by connecting it to personal experiences, things that they may be going through, it, it can touch home a little bit easier. Um, uh, that was a really good question there, Amy. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, we, we've talked about the pain and the pleasure. You talked about how you have to almost experience something that's so painful that you then connect with the purpose. and yet you went back to those childhood passions and hobbies and it is so often the case and yet when you talk to people and they say oh no well I can't make a career out of that and especially for young people going through you're encouraged to go into professions into careers and you know all they want to do is as you wanted to do is just draw you know and 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 design and make silly noises or whatever you need to do you just want to be that child and And I do feel that, as you say, the world is evolving and allowing that to happen. If we're looking at all the short form video that we've got out there, the different availability of TikTok, for example, is a great format that people are really enjoying and making good money out of it. Yeah, uh, I can't I can't help but tell everyone that like when I'm trying to give people a reality check, I, I tell them about Ryan from Ryan's World. If you've got kids, you know who he is. Um, this is a kid whose parents gave him some toys, told them to open them on camera and put the video on YouTube. And he very, very quickly was making $23 million a year opening toys on a TV show that wasn't on TV. That blows my mind. And when people say, uh, you know, I don't know what to do, I'm, I'm kind of lost. I'm like, well, you're not lost. You just haven't tried anything yet. Like, what do you want to do? And, a lot, you know, a lot of them will say something that feels out of reach. You know, skateboarding, art. I'm meeting a girl today who's 19, and she's been running for the last year a horse brow band making company. Um, she's already made thousands. Uh, and now she's, like, just stepping up, getting to the next level with her brand and her website and stuff. And I'm really interested to talk to her about why, she, like, where she gets this belief from that it, could be a business because it's such a simple niche like uh, handmade thing where does she get this like 
almost naive belief that this is going to work because she's so ambitious. So yeah, when, whenever I see young people and they're, you know, they say, oh, I want to be a skateboarder or whatever, and they can't see that, it's not in reach. Um, and I try to tell them, you know, there's a kid called Ryan, <laughs> and I tell them the story. Uh, I often tell people that I, I would do all of this for free. I've just found a really nifty way to trick people into paying me for it. And, and I say that like jokingly, but there is some truth to it. <laughs> so yeah it's, yeah, it's quite a funny thing when someone says, I can't, I can't be a big skateboarder or whatever. Of course you can. You can find a way to do it. You know, you can find a way to make money doing what you love. Some of it you might not really love, but it's still a, it, you're still in the skateboarding world. You know, I know a guy who, um, he owns a skateboarding clothing shop. He can't skateboard because he's got an illness. So he's found a way to be in that space without, like, obviously taking care of his, um, his injuries and stuff. So there's a way to do it. You have, you have to be, you have to be, what's the word for it? Yeah, you have to be direct about the, the thing and flexible about the, the way, I guess. I've never said this before, so I'm trying to do it on the spot. But I think if you like a, a category of something, horse riding, skateboarding, whatever it might be, as long as you're open to the possibilities of making that a business from a revenue point of view and making it, I don't know, pay for a lifestyle or you know, just your family, uh, bills, whatever it might be, then it can be done. There is no question about it because there is, there is endless amounts of people that have gone into industries that seem ridiculous and made a living out of them. I have a client who runs a model scenery, so a model railway scenery making company. They're the only other model railway scenery making company um, other than Hornby, who have been around for 300 years. And the guy's gone from like 40 grand to, I don't know, millions in a couple of years because everyone went hobbyist. That's the most niche thing I've ever heard of, you know? But he's, he's created an incredible business and a great life for him and his family on this silly little thing that he probably thought no one was interested in. And I think we can all find that, that little thing within what we're interested in uh, to make something big out of. Yeah, and I think you, you've really illustrated that point talking about the young girl with her brow business for the for the horses when you go niche go niche and niche and niche again and you'll find that as you say there are very few competitors the more niche you go and you can always come back out again you can always you know flex and see where where the point is but my, my uh interestingly my brother makes models it's like scratch builds or something out of old hot rod cars and they have competitions and things and he loves it and it's you know he he does it because he absolutely loves it. He's done it. He's done it ever since he was a kid, which was break toys and then build them into to other kind of robots or whatever. I mean, it's just, you know, this is a, a young 40 year old plus who's having a great life making things out of stuff that he used to do as a kid. I'm, I'm a hot rod guy myself. And um, there's a guy on our kind of music scene and he's a carpenter. And one day he said, I'm going to make little mini hot rods for kids out of wood. And they are incredible, like the most beautifully created things you've ever seen in original hot rod form and body. They're just small enough for kids to pedal or run, like Flintstone style. 
So, um, you know, he, he realized he had a skill, carpentry. He had a, an interest in 1950s, you know, 30s, 40s, and 50s cars, realized that kids would love that stuff and just made it, <laughs> just made them. It just did what, there was no expectation of like a million pound revenue or whatever it might be. It was just, I'm going to do the thing I like most in the category I like most because that's what makes me happy. <laughs> and I don't think there should be any other decision outside of that. No, and, and it comes right down, doesn't it, to the, the Ikigai concept, which is, you know, yes. fold your, your mission with your passion, with your profession and your, and your uh, uh, mission, passion, vacation and your profession. Yeah, the four of them. And it is, as you say, you know, you found a way to trick people to paying you, which is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's, it's like, what does the world need? What are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? And what can you be paid for? And that's, and that's it. That's what you're, you're sharing here, that the whole Ikigai way of living which is fabulous so yeah Danny it's been a pleasure exploring why you do what you do I I love this conversation I I really do love my job honestly I get to speak to so many cool people and hear what you're doing and advancing humanity through creativity is a very cool way to to live your life so brilliant thank you very much tell me how how could people get in contact with you Danny probably Almost anywhere on the internet, I'm known as the actual Danny because I'm not a Daniel. I was actually born a Danny. <laughs> um, so you'll find me at the actual Danny almost everywhere, even on LinkedIn, believe it or not. So LinkedIn is probably the best place to connect with me. If you want to go see what we do, it's dannyand.co. Yeah, they're probably the two best places. Perfect. Well, they'll go in the show notes. Thank you. So thank you for Marcus for introducing us. Marcus Simbleby, thank, thank you. you. Another shout out to Marcus. But thank you, Danny, for sharing all of what you've shared today bridging the gap between education and employment to helping all those young people it really is an admirable role that you're you've taken on so yeah looking forward to following your work thank you Amy thanks for having me on it's been a pleasure do you have some final words for the audience please Danny I hate I hate to like take it from someone else's mouth but just do it (laughs) no it's uh it's I'll say the Steve Jobs quote again, because I think it's really important. But the ones who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. And you don't have to do it in a a big extravagant way. You can just do it one piece at a time in your own little way. And you'd be surprised at the compound effect of you doing something to inspire other people to do the same. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.